Well, we are here today to lift up the name of Jesus. And let me say this. Jesus is alive. Hey, that, there we go. We are in rhythm today. Yes. I can jump right in. We don't need to spend any more time. That's the best news of all, though, that Jesus is alive. And that's what Easter is all about. Let me just quickly say hi again to everybody watching online. Um, we do want to say we would love to meet you here in person. Uh, now that things are opening up a little bit more, uh, we're going to continue to still uh, spread out people across the gym area, but we would love to meet you in person. And we know there are quite a few watching online today, some families traveling. We'll say hi to you. We know you're out there. Let's turn around and say hi to our families who are traveling this week and are in other places. We miss you guys. We look forward to seeing you back here. But if you've not been here, you've been watching, we would love to meet you here in person next week or the week after Communion Baptism Sunday. It would be great days to come and connect here with us. And uh, let me just say, too, as we begin, uh, I believe that God has you here for a reason. You are not here by accident today. God does not work in chaos and chance. God works in divine purpose and intention. And you are here for a very specific reason today. I believe that. This church believes that. And my prayer for us is that you will experience God in a fresh and new way today. I believe that he wants to speak to you. Yes, here today, the God of this universe wants to speak to you. And you, and you, and are you ready to listen? Are you ready to hear from the God of this universe that created everything that you see? Because he is ready to speak. We're in the middle of this sermon series we've called Rescue. We began it on Easter when we discovered that though Jesus was mocked, when they put that king of the Jews on the top of the cross, they were mocking him calling him to come down. We learned on Easter that his greatest credential for being the authority to give life and to take it away was not in the fact that he didn't rescue himself from the cross or get down off the cross or even prevent the death from occurring. His greatest credential for the authority that he has was when he rose from the dead, conquered the grave, and died for the sins of the world. That was his greatest credential and authority. And that's what we learned on Easter. Last week we talked about how when we're united with Christ, when we become a believer in Jesus, we say, Jesus, I believe that your death is taking my place and I believe that you rose from the dead. When we say that, we do that. We believe in our hearts and we confess that with our mouths. We are united with Christ. We are in Christ is what the Bible says many times. When that happens, we become a new creation and our past, our past no longer defines us when we are united with Christ. Isn't that good news? Like Our past is our past. Man, if we could get a hold of that truth of the gospel, our lives will radically change. Prison cells would be emptied. It's the love of God that caused Jesus to endure the cross. And it's the love of God that forgives our past. My friends, Jesus is alive. Therefore, love is alive. And that's the other declaration we've been making over the last few weeks is that love is alive. 
Jesus rose from the dead and love conquered death. And so we've been looking at at how when we embrace that love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross dying for our sins, when we embrace that, how that changes and and eliminates, eradicates our past. And now today we're going to talk about what does it do for us today in the present? How does that impact our lives right now? And because of God's great mercy, we know that we can live lives that are different so how many of you played Simon Says growing up? Put your hand up in the air. And, and you young ones too, you played Simon Says, right? All right, so just indulge me for just a moment, okay? All right, just for a moment, we're going to play Simon Says, okay? All right, let's try this together. So just so you remember, when I say Simon Says, you, you do the instruction that's given when I, said, when I say Simon Says, then you, you, you stop if I were to give you an instruction, right? We're, we're together on that. Remember how to do that? All right, Simon Says, clap your hands. Thank you, uh, you guys, thank you, thank you. That's so kind of you. I didn't say stop. Simon says stop. Okay, Simon says raise your left hand. Simon says put your left hand down. Simon says shake your head up and down. Stop. Oh, some of you did stop, but you remember, okay, that's enough of that. All right, that's silly, that's ridiculous, but my friends, I just did that to make a point that when you remember that game and, and what it was about, it really was a test of your willingness To listen to instruction. That's how teachers worked with kids, right? To teach them how to listen and do what they were asking them to do. It's a great, simple game. But it truly is a test because we've all been given what? Free will. One of the most powerful, amazing, incredible gifts God has given humankind is free will, volition. The opportunity to choose. And that choice is informed by a lot of different things, isn't it? Our desires, our convictions. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Keep that in mind. How many of you have heard of the butterfly effect in chaos theory? The butterfly effect. Very fascinating thing. Fascinating idea. And it it, it makes me think that our ideas and our thoughts have consequences. Can you say that with me? Ideas have consequences. Ready? Ideas have consequences. Well, this butterfly effect really came to be known in chaos theory. And it's the idea that even tiny actions, such as the flapping of a butterfly's wing, can result in big events such as a tornado or a hurricane on down the line. Now, specifically in chaos theory, it's the idea that I'm going to get scientific with you for a minute, and we all love science these days. Yes, I know, but stay with me, all right? It's the sensitive dependence upon initial conditions in which a small change can result in large differences in a later state, all right? So the idea there is just like that butterfly flapping its wings. When we make a decision and a choice, Today, in the present, we can powerfully and profoundly affect our future. And that is God's call to us who are living in Christ as new creations. So let me ask you another question again as as we start thinking about what we're going to talk about from God's word today. How many decisions do you think people make in an average day? Anybody know? Just shout out a number. How many? Huh? 200. 2,000? Anybody else, any other guesses how many decisions humans, average human being makes a day? 
10,000, that's getting closer. 35,000 a day they've, they've, they've surmised. Now just think about that. When you came in today, how many decisions did you make? Where you were going to sit, whether you were going to sing a song or not, whether you were going to smile. I mean, how many decisions did we just make this morning? Well, if you assume that most people spend seven hours per day sleeping, that makes 2,000 decisions per hour or one decision every two seconds human beings are making. Isn't that amazing? We're making, you're making a decision right now. Should I listen to the rest of this message or not? Right? <laughs> uh, hopefully you're staying with me because here's the main idea. Stay with me. Love is alive, so today matters. Your decision right now to stay connected and listen to what God has to say in his word matters. It matters. You may be on the precipice of a butterfly effect in your own life if you listen to what God has to say. So let's pray as we dig into the Bible together this morning. Father, thank you for your word, how it brings truth to our lives. It changes us. It transforms us. It renews us. It makes us who you want us to be. God, thank you for the precious gift of your word that when we encounter it and we really read it as though it's an instruction manual for us, it truly changes us. God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of the instruction manual. God, forgive us when we take it for granted. When, when we here in our culture, we have so many translations and, and copies and we leave them gathering dust too much. We don't open them. Forgive us, Father. But today, right now, right here, we're making the decision and choice together to open our mind and heart to your word and to your instruction. God, by your grace, would you speak through me your words that those things might settle in our hearts deeply, that we might experience the butterfly effect, a small decision today changing the direction of our future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So before we dig into the passage, which is Romans 12, you can turn there in your, your Bibles, your Bible apps, put your finger in Romans chapter 12, and uh, we, will, we will be there for the majority of the time. But let me remind us of our key verse throughout this series, where the title of the series comes from. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says this, you see, just at the right time, or at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, Jesus came on a rescue mission. And that has consequences in this lifetime. It has consequences for you and for me. And it has an effect on our past, present, and future. My friends, Jesus is alive. So let's stand together as we read Romans chapter 12 now, where we'll be uh, for the remainder of our time talking about how in Christ our present is affected by the gospel message, the, the message that Jesus lived, died a sinless, or a, a died, lived a perfect life, died for the sins of the world, and rose from the dead. Romans 12 one and two in response to that truth. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you, beseech you, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. God's great mercy became a transforming, a transforming reality through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that mercy is a result of God's love for us. And that love unites us with the body of believers who are transforming and living differently in the present age. God's people live different lives than they did in their past and then the, that the, uh, different than the rest of the world is living. We are, as according to this passage, living sacrifices no longer conforming to the patterns of the world. The world around us, my friends, is deceptive. It is selfish. It is angry. And it's foolish. That's what we see around us in the world. And it's no surprise to God because when you say no to God and he removes himself from influence, this is what you get. A world that is broken. A world that is full of broken people. And my friends, as believers, those patterns cannot be the patterns we live by today. We learn to renew the way we think, and in doing so, we discover God's will for us. So there's a few things that we can observe from these few verses. To, some of my favorite verses um, in the Bible, in the book of Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2, great verses packed with such richness and depth. And so worth coming back to time and time again. But the first thing we see there in your notes is that my everyday choices reveal who is leading my life. The decisions you make in your day point to who is actually in charge in your life. If you want to know what's important to you, open up your check register if you still use that or get online and check your check the register that way, whichever way you do it, right? Does anybody actually use a check register anymore? Just, just curious. Dwayne, thank you. Robert, okay. Some, some guys that are stayed, tried and true. So check your register and you'll know what's important to you because that's where you're investing your time and your money and your efforts, your calendar and your checkbook. But our choices reveal who's really leading our lives. The things we choose to do or not do in the day show us who we are giving leadership to. And our lives are largely made up of the decisions we make that can be a painful litmus test at times as to what we give our allegiance. And now think about this. Our past, our past is a collection of all the wise and unwise choices that we've made to date. And that has created an impact in our lives. The things that we're living with today are a result of those choices, whether wise or unwise, up until this point. And if we look back on those decisions, we would conclude definitely who's in charge and how many of those past decisions were results of listening to the voice of God's design in our lives. And how many of those choices were really a, a result of our own human wisdom and listening to our sinful desires or the voices in this world that we just give space to. 
Now Paul is very clear here in verse 1. He has a lot to say about living a life under the influence of God rather than the influence of the world. And in verse 1 again, look at this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. He begins this um, this, this instruction with an illustration of having us look at something, having us focus on something, view God's mercy. And in order to, get, to grasp the new way of living, you have to start there. That's where Paul is starting. He's saying, look at God's mercy. Now, I love to go four-wheeling. I love to go jeeping. One of the reasons that I love to get up in the mountains, along with some of my other brothers and sisters in here, is that when you get up to certain views and and you see from another perspective that you don't see every day, it's just awe-inspiring, isn't it? You ever been up on a mountain and looked down into a valley? There's this one jeeping trip that I always think of when I'm I'm thinking about jeeping. It was when our kids were younger. we were going up Storm Mountain, which is just up Highway 34, and um, I was so excited. We had just gotten a, a vehicle that I could get up there and four-wheel with, and uh, we're, we're bouncing along because Storm Mountain's pretty hairy. I mean, there's some rocky patches, and I remember I'm like, yeah, this is awesome, and then I realized the kids in the back are terrified, especially my girls. And I look back, and I see my beautiful little Hope. She was probably three or four, I think, years old at the time. <laughs> she, she made this classic statement that we still to this day remember. I look back, and I said, are you guys okay? And, and Hope's face bounces along, and she goes, Daddy, I lost my situation. And I'm like, what? What is that? She lost my situation. But I, I just stepped to her, wait, honey, when we get to the top, you'll know why I love to do this. Because when you get to the top of Storm Mountain, how many of you have ever been to the top of Storm Mountain? Anybody? Anybody in here, Storm Mountain? Only if you, you are missing out, people. You need to get up to the top of Storm Mountain because when you do and you get up there, you can see on a clear day all the way from Colorado Springs, I'm not exaggerating, from Colorado Springs to Cheyenne, Wyoming. That view is incredible. And every time I'm up there, it's like, God, you are amazing. And when we get a view like that, which is what Paul wants us to do here, to see from a different perspective, life can change with that alone. That is Paul's goal here in this passage as he begins. He wants us to change the way we see our lives. He wants us to reorient our lives by looking at God's mercy so our present situation changes. But my friends, we are way too often caught in complaining and, 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 and painful struggle in our circumstances, right? We, we're not satisfied with the lot that we've been given in life, so we try to change it. We try to control it. But Paul invites us, and you're invited today, to take a long look at the mercy of God. The mercy of God. He's been so good to us. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross because of his mercy, not because of anything we've done. And he offers us a fresh start and repentance because of his mercy. And he loves us unconditionally because of his mercy, because of who he is, not because of who we are or what we've done. It's him and that, my friends, is the best news you can ever get. 
You cannot do anything to earn it. You don't deserve it. He freely gives it. My friends, Paul is compelling us and inviting us to look, to gaze upon the mercy of God. And when we turn our attention to it, we're compelled then, when we have the motive, we have the right motive, we can get the job done. Any of you that have been married for any amount of time know that marriage is not for the faint of heart, right? It's challenging to be married to someone that doesn't know as much as you, right? It's a challenge, right? Sometimes we just, we don't, we kind of miss it with each other. It's not easy. I'm just being real. It's right, right, honey? It's not easy being married to me sometimes, especially last night when we were arguing about, you know, that whole vaccine. Anyway, um, here's, here's something. I want you to think about this. When you're struggling to get along with your spouse, what is going on is, is, is a lack of motivation. Because let me tell you this. Let me ask you this. If I were to give you a million dollars, if for 24 hours you could get along with your spouse, do you think you could do that? What does that tell us about our understanding of motive? And that's what Paul is getting at here. Guys, we lose sight of our motive sometimes, and he's calling us and compelling us to remember why and how God has made this possible for us. That's why Jesus' death, I believe, is so powerful. It gives us an understanding of God's great love. Look at Psalm 51. It says this, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offering. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Now, the writer there of Psalm 51 He's shedding light on the reason for the sacrificial system that the Jews had. Think about this with me for a moment. This would have been a very poignant illustration to them. They would have understood it deeply. For us who think about sacrifice, it's very far removed and we could quickly pass over it. But for them it was very real. Jesus had paid all by his blood on the cross a sacrifice for the sins. And that is what was always the case. There was a blood sacrifice that needed to be, to be given in order to atone for the sins. And the true sacrifice of a follower of Jesus, according to Psalm there, is a contrite heart and an obedient spirit. spirit. But it's actually a difficult thing when we think about it to be, to be this living sacrifice, right? Because what can a living sacrifice do as opposed to a dead sacrifice? A living sacrifice can get up off the altar, right? We can walk away from the sacrifice. That volition is always at work. So Paul is reminding us here, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself a living sacrifice. Live a life in the present, under the rule and reign of God's love. The second thing I think we learn from this passage is this. In your notes, if I change my habits, my life will change. If I change my habits, my life will change. That's what I believe Paul is saying right here. The the world around us has patterns and habits that lead to a broken life. Anybody who has lived on planet Earth for any amount of time and been exposed to the patterns of the world know either by own experience or by watching that it leads to a broken life. 
A life filled with no purpose, constantly questioning and wondering about why they're here on planet Earth. marked by greed and selfishness and pride and envy and gossip and these patterns are, are easy to fall into and, be, and they're very difficult to break and they're called patterns for a reason because they are routine and often done mindlessly. We don't even think about it. But my friends, let me remind you of the butterfly effect again. One little change in a habit or a pattern can create a tornado, a whirlwind, a hurricane of change down the road. And God is simply asking you and us, what is your next step to live a life surrendered to him? He's not asking you to do it all at once. Find one habit, one pattern that you know leads to brokenness and choose to change that today. It is in your power to do so. Don't let anybody rob you of that true choice. And if I change my, ha- my, li- my habits, my life will change. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the what? Pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want you for a moment to just take a look at these patterns on the screen. I want you to study them for just a moment. Now, as you move across the first line, We've got a a blue rectangle, an orange, we'll call it orange, do you agree, orange? An orange square, a red circle. And look, we repeat again. Blue rectangle, orange circle, orange square, red circle. And then what would be the next one? There you go. The, The next line, what is the next one? After blue circle, orange triangle, red circle, then another Purple triangle, do you agree? Do you agree with her? Purple triangle? Yes, it's a purple triangle. Stay with us. Hey, listen, guys, this is is kindergarten stuff. I'm just going to tell you. I pulled this from a kindergarten your page thing, so we can do this, all right? What's the next one? Purple, blue, purple, blue. What's the last one? A purple oval, we'll call it, right? My friends, once we know a pattern, what comes next should be obvious to us. Once we take time in our lives to observe where patterns lead us or those habits lead us, we can change them back where they begin. And I believe that's what what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, change, don't don't be conformed to a pattern. You choose the pattern that you're going to live in. And his suggestion is there is to surrender and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So to identify patterns, sometimes we have to change our perspective. And that's probably why Paul is saying, hey, take a look at your life with, through the lens of God's mercy and grace. The fact that you have oxygen to breathe today. The fact that your sins are forgiven. The fact that God loves you constantly and forever. And make that decision to change a pattern Maybe you've developed a pattern of of talking down to yourself whenever you make a mistake or a bad decision and you just beat yourself up over it. And it always leads to feeling depressed and anxious. My friends, break that pattern. That is not a God-oriented pattern. That is not who God says you are. 
Maybe you've noticed that you are caught in a pattern of telling lies to people around you. It always leads to more lies and then a deceptive lifestyle. My friends, do not conform any longer to that pattern. Maybe you've noticed a pattern of laziness in your life and it's produced a spirit of apathy towards your work or your family or, or your dreams or your calling. My friends, in view of God's mercy, do not continue that pattern. Break that pattern. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, break that pattern, my friend. And we say it lovingly to each other, not in shame or condemnation. We say it to call one another to live the way God created us to live. Third observation we see here, I believe in this passage is this, a surrendered life is the key to knowing God's will. Guys, think about that. A surrendered life is the key to knowing God's will. When we surrender our life to his design, he begins to reveal his will to us. Look again at Romans 12, both those verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to, notice this, the last part, then then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What is it that preceded, preceded the then you will be able to test and approve? Do not, first of all, view God's mercy, right? In view of God's mercy, give your bodies, surrender, don't, don't conform, something not to do, and then something to do. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. When you have surrendered to those habits in your life, then, then you'll be able to test and approve God's will. When we struggle to discern God's will in our lives, the starting point is to evaluate, God, am I viewing your mercy? Am I surrendered to that? Have I offered my body saying, God, use me in whatever way you want? Am I, am I making sure, am I observing, living life thoughtfully, not conforming to the patterns of this world, but allowing God to transform me in my thinking? If I'm doing all those things and my heart is stirred, we can know God is moving we can have a confidence and test and approve his will. So if you're struggling with that, this verse is for you today. This passage, this teaching is for you today. If you're struggling to know, God, do you want me to do this? This is where we start. And the ultimate outcome of a sacrificial life and renewed mind is the ability to know the will of God. So that butterfly effect today of you choosing a new pattern, a new habit, is down the road as you walk in that, you test and approve God's will. And you know when he says go, you go. When he says stop, you stop. And I'm wondering how many of us today have struggled at times in our lives knowing what God's will is for us. My friends, he's not withheld it. He's given us a path right to it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. 
Friends, what if you were to trade the time and energy you spend in your old patterns, now investing it in creating the new ones, giving those old ones up and saying, here, I'm going to create and build some new patterns, some new habits in my life. What if you were to spend time in prayer, reading God's word, scripture, serving others, time listening to the voice of God, using your gifts in the body, being connected with God's people in a community group, that one thing alone could change your life. Let me tell you, a couple, about a year and a half ago, we started a Fort Collins community group. And a few of us jumped on board right away, those of us that were here. And I'm telling you, if you talk to anybody that's been a part of that community group, and you say to them, hey, think about when you started, and now what's going on now in your life, and they'll say, God has been faithful and changed me and us. And transformed some things in my life. There was a butterfly effect. That little choice to come and be a part of something over time has changed me. And when we trust in the Lord, his design, and we don't lean on our own understanding. In fact, we question it. Now, this is my understanding. Does it line up with God's word? He will then make our paths straight. Being a parent has not always been fun and games. I'm going to say that. I just said it out loud. But man, do I love my kids fiercely. Man, I would do anything for them. You mess with one of my kids and I am going to take you out in a Jesus-loving sort of way. <laughs> but I'll tell you, there have been times with my kids, that I wanted to take them out. <laughs> Just being honest. I didn't do it. But I wanted to. My kids have a will of their own, and, and often their will and mine don't line up. They conflict. And one of the biggest challenges as a parent is to get our kids, or you could agree with me probably, that get them to trust me that what my desire for you is for your good. And when I say no to something, it's to instruct you in the way of God that leads to life. Or if I have to discipline them, I'm doing so because I love them and I want what's best for them. My friends, trust is a hard thing to teach. Because I'm an imperfect guy and I mess up along the way. And they lose a little bit of trust and confidence and then they begin to question it because they see the quote-unquote, attractiveness of the world. And they wonder about it. Oh, what I would give that they could trust me so deeply that they know when I instruct them or discipline or correct them that, that it's for their good. My friends, we have a heavenly Father who is perfect in everything he does. He is good in everything he does. And he has fixed that goodness upon humankind, and he has said, I'm not going to force my way upon you. I'm going to give you the greatest gift in love, letting you choose. And he loves us so much that he'll let us choose even to our detriment. And, and as a parent, I know that's so hard when I, I know what's going to happen for my kids, and sometimes I've got to let them choose it so they learn. But my friends, when we surrender our life to God, we gain a key to understanding his will. And even though trust is a hard thing, 
when God's love is alive in us and that trust grows, we then begin to discern his will and we make better choices. So my friends, again, the main idea is this. Love is alive, so today matters. Your choices today, your habits and patterns today that you choose will make a difference in your future. So let me give you one clear encouragement, instruction, application today from this. Choose, my friends, I beseech you, I I beg you, I urge you, as Paul did here, to choose habits in your life, in God's design. And let me just share this passage with you as we conclude. Ephesians chapter 4. It's a little bit longer, but I want you to listen to this. Listen to the word of God being read out loud. Remember that this is his love letter to us. This is a father speaking to his children. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and and former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, instead, I'll find it in just a minute. Instead, there it is. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes Put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And and don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Don't bring sorrow to God's spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Therefore, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. My friends, there's just a few things that we can start to work on in our lives. But mind you, it's all rooted in a relationship with Jesus, making a choice to change a habit. Maybe that habit for you is, you know what, hey, I'm going to start hanging out here with God's people a little more often. I just, I want to hear more of this. Or hey, I haven't been a part of a community group yet where there's a smaller group of people and we're getting to know each other better. I'm going to do that. Or man, I haven't been reading the Bible very much. I need to get God's word in me. Or, you know what? I have never surrendered my life to Jesus, and I need to do that today. He is stirring in my heart so much, I must respond to what he's doing. My friends, love is alive, so today matters. Your choices today matter. 
want to give you an opportunity, if you have never given your life to Christ, to respond to this last verse. And it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. If you've not given your life to Jesus, I could, would consider no, uh, uh, no greater privilege than to lead you in a prayer responding to that today. Would you guys pray with me? Whether you're online or you're here in person and you've not given your life to Christ, let me pastor you, shepherd you today, just encourage you. You might pray something like this. Again, it's not the words that are important. It's what's going on in your heart. God looks at the heart. A broken and contrite spirit is what pleases him, and he knows that. But let me offer you some words you might say in response to the invitation to trust and surrender to Jesus today. Pray this with me. Dear God, thank you for making me and for loving me. Even when I've ignored you and turned my back on you. I realize right now I need you in my life. And I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me now. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please help me to understand it more. As much as I know now, I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life and make me a new person inside. I accept your gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Please help me now to grow as a Christian. If every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that today here and you're with me, would you just put your hand up and let me know? I'd love to pray with you or pray for you. If that was you today and you've never given your life to Christ, anybody here today? If you're watching online again, thank you for joining us. If you pray to trust Christ, we would love to pray with you. Let us know. Reach out to us. Send us an email or comment. Uh, in whatever social media platform you're watching on. Let us know that you're there. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you in your journey in this new relationship with Jesus. For the rest of us as believers in Jesus, I believe the, the encouragement is clear there. To be reminded to keep a view of God's mercy as we stay firmly committed, a long obedience in the same direction in the habits that lead to life. Let me just pray for you. Father, thank you for those, of here, those who are here and trust you and believe in you. God, I pray you would help us to renew our commitment to habits that lead to life. We thank you, God, that, that your mercy never runs dry, that even on a, on a day when a week we struggled or maybe we fell into old patterns your mercy does not run dry. You call us to come to your throne of grace with confidence and boldness. Lord, help us to renew our commitment to walk in your design. Pray your help and blessing upon us today in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.